thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So we come to the end of the series of I Ams today. We come to the end of the I Ams that Jesus said. There were seven. Can you remember them all? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the sheep gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth and the life. There's one missing. Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) I can't remember off the top of my head which ones I've said. I am the resurrection and the life. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, it's good to have a prompt. And today we come to I am the true vine. I'm a rubbish gardener, I've shared before. I've, I've not grown much in my life other than height-wise. Uh, but I can remember as a child, I grew a marrow and a pumpkin for scouts. I got a badge uh, for scouts and I grew a marrow and a pumpkin. I was ever so proud of them. They were, oh, they must have been this big. You know, they were huge. They were like James and the giant peach. It was Johnny and the giant pumpkin. That's what it was. Um, and I grew those, I was really impressed. But in my older, older adult life, I think the only thing I can grow is hair on my ears and hair from my nose that shouldn't be there. I can't even grow it on my head. It's not very good. But today we're going to talk about Jesus saying, I am the true vine. And it talks about God being a gardener. And with each one of the I ams, we've seen more of Jesus and the Father's character. And Jesus has always spoken in a way that would help the disciples to understand him. He's always spoken in a way that would enable them to get what he was talking about. So I am the bread of life was just after he'd seen them feed 5,000 people. He said, you know, the bread's good, but I am the bread. I am the one that satisfies. I am the light of the world was during a festival of light and of a lantern in the temple and where he was stood. I am the sheet gate. I am the good shepherd, familiar to the shepherding types that he was with. And today's reading is done by Marie's husband, Philip Last. It's the, it's the last and the least today, is that right? No, it's the last and the most important today. And uh, Phil Last is going to read our reading today from John chapter 15 and reading from verses 1 to 17. So follow along in your Bibles. But for now, take it away, Phil. Thanks very much. Today's reading is taken from John 15, verses 1 to 17. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Thanks, Phil. And uh, the dog, Milo, I think he was very obedient. He must have uh, been given a treat afterwards. I was waiting for him to turn around at the end and, and perhaps raise a hallelujah. But anyway, that's an old joke, isn't it? These words of Jesus is a part of an after-dinner conversation. They're part of a sitting around the table. They've, they've had the last supper, and it follows on from last week's I Am. And one of the best parts of sitting down to eat together is often the conversation and the laughter. The food's great. I love the food. But often it's the sitting down, and we've had some hilarious chats around our table. Some of them have been quite eye-opening, and I won't be sharing with you today, but Really, our, our children have often asked some awkward questions. It's the time when you catch up on each other's day, when you find out what's happened at school or at work or at college or just happened around the home. It's a time when you can embarrass. I'm, I've shared a story before and I can remember it clearly. It must have been an important time because we were sat around the dinner table. And at our home when I was younger, we would only sit around the dining room table if there was important guests there. Otherwise, we'd sit in the kitchen. And I can remember announcing to that group of people, David Addison told me the facts of life today. And there was a stunned silence, particularly from my dad. He wasn't the sort to talk about such things. But uh, my mum turned to me and said, and what did he say, Jonathan or Johnny? It was probably Jonathan. I was probably in trouble. But um, I said, well, David Addison told me the facts of life. So well, what did he tell you? What did he say? I said, well, it doesn't matter because my mummy and daddy would never do a thing like that. So fun times around the table, fun things that we shared. But actually, Jesus has followed straight on from saying, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And now he says he is the true vine. Before we look at the whole vine thing and what a vine is, it's important to see the true part. Jesus says, not just I am the vine and you are the branches, he doesn't even just say, I am divine, and you are the branches. He says, I am the true vine. And actually, in the Old Testament, Israel was often referred to as God's vine that was planted. That God's people were supposed to have a purpose in glorifying God. That Israel, the Israelites were supposed to be this vine. But in the Old Testament, it's referred to very negatively because the Israelites didn't do what God purposed. They didn't achieve what they were supposed to. They didn't point to God all the time in the way that God would want them to. They didn't show love for him. They didn't show obedience. And as a result, it's often talking about this vine being uprooted or this vine being destroyed because they hadn't fulfilled the purposes and the promise of God. So straight out of the gates, when Jesus says, I am the true vine, 
He's saying that I am the one you need to focus on, not the past, not the things that have gone before. Those people didn't fulfill the purpose. I am the true vine. I am here to fulfill God's purposes. I am here to show the way to God, and I'm here to glorify God. And that in me, God's purposes will now be fulfilled, and his promise will be received. I'm going to get the job done, you know? I'm going to get the job done. Not Bob the Builder. He gets the job done. But Jesus is going to get the job done. He is the true vine. Not just the vine. Not just any old vine. He's the true vine. The one that will glorify the Father and the one who will be fruitful. But also in verses 1 and 2, it shows the Father as the gardener. The ultimate responsible for the fruit and for the land and for the growth and for the management of the vine. So it's a, it's a partnership, it's a team, it's not just Jesus on his own, it's Jesus as the vine and the Father as the gardener. And later we see him talking about leaving the Holy Spirit for his followers. So what do we know about vines? What do you know about vines? There were a little video, I think, back in the day, for those of you who are young, but actually vines, there were seven second videos, there you go. But what grows on vines? Who knows what grows on vines? You get grapes, you get... Tomatoes? Any other advance on grapes and tomatoes? No? Well, grapes is the immediate one you think of. And obviously nowadays in the posh shops, you can get tomatoes still on the vine. But did you know watermelons and cucumbers and passion fruit and honeydew melons are also fruit of the vine? And uh, as I was thinking about that, it's interesting, isn't it, that all of those vegetables are juicy and sweet, and actually a good source of water, if you like, good source of, of something to drink as well as something to eat. And I don't think that's a coincidence that the vine produces fruit that is sweet, that is juicy, and that is refreshing. We are supposed to produce fruit that is good to taste, that is refreshing to those around. It is supposed to be something that tastes good. The other thing about the branches of the vine is it's not like a tree or a bush or a shrub. A vine branch has to have support. It cannot grow without support. That's us. We are the branches. We cannot grow without support. And the ultimate support is the vine, is the one that gives life. The vine gives life to the branches. We are supposed to bring refreshment to the world we're in. We're supposed to bring a sweetness to the lives of those around us. And we're supposed to make the world better because we're in it. If we're bearing fruit. Because we're connected to the vine. The vine gives life to the branches. And the first two verses talk about the job of the gardener, what the gardener's responsibility is. And it says, he prunes the branches bearing fruit and cuts off the branches with none. I don't know about you, both of those are painful. (laughs) You know, to be cut off from the vine is pretty final. If you ever get, I like tomatoes from, uh, from whichever supermarket you choose to shop at. I love tomatoes and those ones that are on the vine cost more, don't they? And they've still got that little bit of green attached to them. And when you buy a pudding of grapes, they've still got all the bits that connect the grapes together. And actually, once you've pulled all the fruit off, that withers and it's brown and it's dyed and it becomes lifeless. Because I think sometimes a branch gets a little bit back from its fruit. But when it's become disconnected from the vine, it withers and dies. And Jesus is saying, the father is the gardener and some branches he's going to have to chop off because they're not fruitful. But he says there are others that are fruitful, but even those he prunes. He cuts back the bits that are a bit rubbish and he he gets rid of the things that are going to stop the fruit so that it bears more. I am rubbish at gardening. 
we have a bush in the corner of our, I think it's a bush, it might be a tree, it could be anything, it could be a weed, I think it's called a red robin, and it's not red anymore because it's got so big, and uh, I'm hopeless, but it's taking the whole of our back garden, and it needs pruning a long time ago, it needed bits cutting off so that it wasn't just bursting out all over the place, but it actually looked a thing of beauty, and when we think of pruning, it sounds like it might hurt a bit, And God sometimes needs to chop off branches, but he sometimes needs to prune branches. And there might be some pain involved in that. But what's the purpose of the pruning? The purpose of the pruning is that there's more fruit. The purpose of the pruning is that there's more grapes, there's more tomatoes, there's more of that juiciness, there's more of that sweetness. And that's the purpose that God has for us. He might need to cut back a little bit of our lives. He might be to cut things off that aren't bearing fruit that are dead or causing us to be unfruitful. The first thing we need to know here is that if we're Christians, then we're not going to be cut off from the vine. You don't need to sit there this morning. If you've said, I want to follow Jesus, I'm going to stand in Jesus, we're not going to be cut off. We just might not bear much fruit. We're going to be connected. But there may need to be some regular pruning in order for us to reach our full fruitfulness and our full potential. If I said to you, do you want to reach your full potential? All of us would say, yes. And that might involve some hard times. But I want you to know this. The two words that are used here for pruning is also the same almost as the word for cleaning. And God wants to clean us up as the gardener. The pruning is cleaning us up. It's cleaning us up in order to make us whole. Today, Jesus' words might be for you. You need to know that you're already clean. You've already been cleaned up by the blood of Jesus. You've already been forgiven. You've already been set free from sin you've been set free from death but actually you're still living with some of those dead leaves and dead branches and and unfruitful parts of our lives we need to allow the gardener to prune us we need to allow him to come in and take the dead bits away you are already clean because of the word i've spoken to you that's jesus what jesus says to his disciples you don't need to worry about your salvation. You're already clean because of what I've done and what I've spoken into you. He was reassuring his disciples that even though they would let him down, he saw them as clean. He saw them as forgiven. Even though they would make mistakes, they were clean. Even though they would mess things up, they were forgiven and loved. He is the true vine. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that needs to be focused on now. Not the, not the past things, not the former glories, but now it's about me because I've come to seek and save the lost. Greater love has no one than this than gives his life for his friends. That's what is in this verse. No one has greater love than Jesus. Not the old vine of Israel, but the new promise of Jesus that will and has fulfilled God's promises already. Six times in this chapter, Jesus says the phrase, remain in me. So when Jesus says something twice or three times, we need to pay attention. So when he says it six times, we need to pay doubly attention. It's really important. And he was trying to get a message across to his disciples. Six times he says, remain in me. It's repeated. You know, I've had some really good friends over the years. And many of us from Springmount Church will know people who've been a really big part of our church, who've had to move on for work or God has called them to a different place. And I'm thinking of people like Richard Walker, who was a really good friend of mine. He was part of the worship team. He used to speak. He was part of the leadership team. And he lived with Barbara and Derek. He was a really, really great young man. And he now lives in Reading. And actually, we've lost touch a little bit. 
you occasionally get the message on Facebook and you occasionally get the little bit of things. But sometimes when we move away to new places and to new pastors, it's hard to stay in touch. How many of us are still in touch with people we went to, everybody we went to school with? How many, how many of us are still in touch with the people who have really impacted our lives? And often we haven't put the effort in to remain connected to them. Jesus knows he's about to be crucified. He knows he's going to die, rise again and ascend into heaven and leave his disciples who have been with him for three years, followed his every move, seen his every miracle, heard his every word and all of a sudden he isn't going to be physically there. And so six times he says to them at this important part, stay connected to me. Even though I'm not here, stay connected to me. What is important, guys, what is important, disciples, is that you keep your eyes on the true vine, that you don't forget the things I've said to you, that you don't forget the life that I've given to you, that you don't forget the amazing things I've shown you. Keep connected to the true vine. During this pandemic and this virus, maybe when we've not met physically, Some of us have perhaps lost sight of the importance of Jesus in our day-to-day lives. Maybe because we've not been encouraged every week. Maybe because we've not been met with every week. Our spiritual life and our spiritual walk has perhaps tailed off a little bit. Don't let it be. Jesus says to the disciples here, I'm not going to be here physically, but stay connected to me. Keep looking to me. Remain in me. How do we do that? How do we remain in Jesus? How do we stay connected to the vine? Three things that he mentions in this passage. Three things to remember today. This is how we stay connected. One, get into his word. Get into the Bible. His word, the truth, the stuff that he says. And that's important to read his word. Two, keep loving. And three, be obedient. We need to be rooted in his word. We need to be overwhelmed with his love. And we need to be obedient to all he asks. And we've got to work at that. The disciples weren't going to just be able to let it happen. If you remember, as soon as Jesus is arrested, they all flee. And some of them go back to their jobs. They've forgotten already what Jesus said. Stay connected to me. Don't let this pandemic be an excuse to veer off. Don't let this virus be an excuse for your spiritual life to go downhill. Instead... Stay connected, read his word, love others, be obedient to what it says. What is the result of staying connected? You know, if a vine, a branch stays connected to the vine, it bears fruit year after year after year. Yes, it might be pruned, but it keeps bearing fruit. Those juicy grapes, juicy grapes, I feel like Stu Francis on Cracker Jack for you older viewers here. You know, oh, I could crush a grape. Tomatoes, you know, mel- or who doesn't love a watermelon or a honeydew melon on a hot summer's day? Maybe you don't. Well, think of something you do. But actually, what is the result of staying connected? It's more of that fruit. It's more of that sweetness. It's more of that joy. We have had ivy in our garden. Uh, I don't mean a person. It's not anti-ivy. <laughs> it's a plant, okay? Um, and it started to climb. It's taken over the back wall but then it started to climb the wall of the house and, and my mother-in-law and my wife being at least a little bit interested in plants, I'm, I, I struggle a little bit, I like to look at them. They said, or certainly my mother-in-law said, you need to take that down because it'll damage the bricks, it'll damage the house. So I thought I'll get onto that. So I pulled all this ivy down off the wall of the house. I got a step ladder and I got it all down. But there was one little bit I couldn't reach. But it was disconnected from the, the, the main plant, so it didn't matter. So I left it there. 
And it's still there, but it's all gone brown and it's very stringy and it won't be long till it falls off of its own accord, I think. And actually, it looked unattractive because it was disconnected from the main plant. It looked weak because it was disconnected from the main plant. It looked like it wouldn't last very long and actually nobody will pay any attention now because there's nothing to it because it's become disconnected from the rest of the plant. The rest of the plant is still shiny and green and lush and a thing of beauty to look at and will be used in Rosie's flower arrangements to make things look nice if she does flower arrangements again. That's not a hint, dear. You know, I don't know what you'll be doing. But when we become disconnected from the true vine, we become like that bit of ivy that's left on my house. We become lifeless, brown, dead, dusty sticks. They're not attractive. They're not looking fruitful. They're not looking good. We, be, we were created to be fruitful. Jesus was there at the beginning of everything and we were created to bear fruit. We were designed to make things taste better and we were created to stay connected. And what fruit should we bear as Christians? Well, the Bible tells us. His word that we're supposed to get into tells us the fruit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's nine fruit of the same branch that we can bear. How do we bear it? By staying connected to the vine. By staying connected to the one who gives life. By staying connected to the one who wants what's best for us. That wants best things. We were created to stay connected and God will prune us back for more if we allow him to prune us. This passage finishes with a command and the command is this. It does it about three times. and He says, love each other. So we've got to be rooted in his word. We've got to be overwhelmed by his love and we've got to love one another. That's the command. We've got to love one another. Jesus is heading into death. He doesn't say, look at me, I'm about to die. What are you doing? Talk to me. Tell me what you think of me. Build me up. He says, no, love one another. Love one another. That is my command. Grapes in the Bible are often used as a symbol of a great harvest or of bounty or of a thing of beauty. The spies that went to the promised land, what did they bring back from the promised land to show that it was good? They brought back a massive cluster of grapes. Grapes that were so big, they had to tie it to a pole and it took two men to carry it. That's how good the grapes were that Jesus was promising them, sorry, that God was promising them. And today the fruit that Jesus promises us if we stay connected, is so overwhelmingly amazing that it's not worth being disconnected. It's not worth allowing ourselves to tail away. Jesus is promising to be the true vine of plenty for our lives. Not necessarily immediately now, but certainly in the future. He promises a place that is plentiful and a future in heaven with him that is overwhelming with love. A vine that brings great fruit. Do you know the thing about the spies that went into Canaan? There was only two of them that saw the good. And ten of them that were like, don't go there. Don't go there because there's giants. There's opposition. There's people who won't do this. And actually, this vine brought great fruit. There were spies that couldn't see the plenty. They only saw the problem. And actually, sometimes we can do that. Many people do not see the plenty that Jesus brings to their life. Because they're not truly connected. 
because they've not gone deep enough into his word. They've not allowed his roots to sink deep. They've not been obedient to his commands. That's what he asks us people. We need to be rooted in his word, overwhelmed by his love and obedient to what he asks. And then we will know the plenty. We will know the life. Many people don't see it. But here, what's the fruit that Jesus promises? Well, it's mostly joy and love. Who doesn't want a bit of joy and love in their lives? Yeah? If I went out into the streets and says, with a stand that said, I promise you joy and love, I think I'd have a queue a mile long. Some people would be cynical and some people would say, oh, yeah, whatever. But Jesus promises joy that satisfies. He promises a love that overwhelms. So, what do we learn from this last I am of Jesus? Well, we know that he's saying he is God because he says I am. We know that he's saying he's now the promise and fulfillment of God's plan because he's the true vine. And we know also that the gardener needs to be allowed to prune. And sometimes that might involve a little bit of pain, but it will bear fruit. And the most important thing we learn from today's reading, from today's I am, the final I am of Jesus, is this, that we need to stay connected. That we need to stay connected to everything Jesus is. That we can't make excuses for it. The disciples, they couldn't just say, well, Jesus has gone now. He's, he's ascended into heaven. Let's just go back to fishing. No, they pressed into who he was and he sent the Holy Spirit. And as a result, the world changed. If you've been watching the devotionals in Acts, the Holy Spirit brings about transformation and it takes the word from Jerusalem all the way to Rome and then from Rome to the rest of the world as people hear that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the life. Final thing, the final thought from this passage that we need to have ringing around our ears as we go from here today is his command is to love one another. Whoever that other may be, we're called to love them. Not with an empty, superficial, surface deep love. We're called to love them. And what does a great love do? It lays its life down for his friends. And Jesus says, I call you friends. You're not servants. You're not slaves. You're not trapped. You're my friends. And my friends know what I'm going to do. So today, as we finish these I am statements of Jesus... Let us remember the importance that we've got to stay connected. And we've got to stay connected to the true vine. But we need to stay connected to one another. And we need to love one another. There can be no grudges. There can be no enmity. There can be no hate or, or anger towards one another. There can be love. And how do we get it? By remaining in him. The one who loved with all that he had. If you're not a Christian today, maybe you're hearing this and you're feeling totally disconnected, then the Bible tells us we can become connected because Jesus died. That we can be grafted into that true vine. That we can grow the best fruit simply by accepting him as our saviour and as the life that needs to flow through us. Today, the Bible says, believe that the Lord Jesus rose again and declare him as your Lord, and you will be saved. And then what's the fruit? To love one another, and to be filled with his joy. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today that we've looked at who Jesus says he is.
And Father, I pray today that each one of us can know that who he is to us. And as we look at who he is to us, we can say also, we are known as precious. We're known as loved to him. We're seen as forgiven by him. We're seen as his children. We're seen as sons and daughters. We're not seen as slaves. We're not seen as outcasts, but we're seen as welcomed into his family. Father, today, may we choose to be connected to the true vine, the one who brings life and joy, the one who says, love one another. His message was to love. Father God, give us the strength to stand on your promises and help us to be branches that are willing to be pruned in order to be fruitful. And Father God, as a church and as a people, I pray that we will see fruit in our community that tastes good. I pray that we will see it in our own lives, fruit of love, joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Father, I pray that we'll see that fruit in our marriages. I pray that we'll see that fruit in our children. And I pray that we'll see that fruit all over our town and that we will make Barrow taste and taste sweeter because we live here. Father God, I pray that people will come to know the true vine who fulfills the promises and the purposes of God. In his name, amen.